Hello, welcome to another episode of the Rich from Big Footy Tiger Cast. Coming off another fantastic win against the Sydney Swans in a, a first versus second clash. Uh, our guest tonight, we have Grocodoc coming back for his second week in a row. Welcome back, mate. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. Pleasure no to be back. And our second guest is our longtime friend, Captain Blood17. Welcome, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Good evening, everyone. No dramas. Oh, big game last weekend. Uh, we ended up winning by 26 points, which was a little bit more than what I tipped, but closer to what you tipped, Grok. Uh, you must be pretty happy with yourself. Yeah, if you actually look at it, it they perfectly split the uh, margin between what I tipped and what uh, uh, Lounge Lizard tipped, because I think he tipped them by 35 and I went 17, so it's sort of like in between that perfect margin. So, yeah, I thought it was... I thought it was actually a really good game, so I'm pretty happy with that one. Do you reckon it was our best game for the year, win-wise? Uh, I reckon it was. Um, it was one of those ones where sort of, as I as I expected it to be, a grind for three quarters, and then in that last we just pulled away, sort of like we did against Geelong the week before. Um I thought we did really well against Jake Lloyd. He was the one that I tipped last um, last week that we really needed to shut down because he, he generated so much ball for Sydney off halfback with his field kicking and everything. And he ended up having uh, nine nine turnovers, I think, in that game. So he, he the, the pressure we put on him didn't allow him to get his game up and going. Uh, but I have a question for you, blokes. Has there been a bigger drop-off in form of anyone in the competition as Dan Hanabry over the last couple of years. It's, it's right up there, isn't it, first. at the moment? Oh, it's, it's right up there. Um, what, two years ago, he was a world beater, wasn't he? He, he was looking amazing. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't explain why he's dropped off like he has. I really we, can't. We chased um, him hard, too, back then. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did, yep. I so I think we dodged a bullet on that one. The strange thing is they've got a good supporting cast midfield. It's not like he has to bear the load of the number one man every week. Like He's got Kennedy, Jack, um, Jones in there, who, who all kind of, you know, are going to get Parker. good attention. Parker. So, it's, yeah, it's not like he has to be the number one man. So it is strange that he has dropped off. Is is, is that the case of uh, Tom Mitchell going to Hawthorne? You know, that one extra mid, top-line midfielder goes out, puts a bit more acid on him. Yeah, that possibly. could be that could be a good point. But he's surely, I mean, based before he sort of had the slump, based on pure ability, he was still a pretty good player. You'd like to think he'd be able to fight his way through it. Yeah, it's just I think he seems to have lost maybe a yard or two of pace, and I think with the way he plays, he's not exactly the contested beast that uh, Kennedy is, and he's not. He's not a supreme outside runner like, you know, uh, Luke Parker and stuff. So I think he's sort of in that zone now where his biggest weapons aren't enough for him to carry on, you know, being being the gun that he was. And, of course, he's had the injuries um, over the last couple of years. But I, I really don't see how Sydney can carry him in, his, in their midfield too much longer because they've, they've got decent midfield depth at the moment. And reading their board... Um, their autopsy thread after the game, something that I like to do just to just sort of <laughs> see the tears and everything. Um, a lurker. Yeah, yeah I, I lurk a lot, I think especially this, these this days. I has been the most weeks I've lurked. I lurked on Sydney's 
Um, Adelaide's and West Coast I had a look at. Who was the other upset? Who did Bulldogs beat? Mate, Geelong. It was all, it was yeah. all about Geelong and North Melbourne and Melbourne for me. No, with the three. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've lurked, I've lurked the Geelong board a lot over the last couple of weeks, li- living down here, seeing them lose. <laughs> it is just amazing. Every time Geelong lose, I just I lurk their threads. But, yeah, as I said, reading the Sydney um, autopsy thread, that they've been wanting a lot of... They've been wanting Kieran Jack dropped. They've been wanting Hannabry dropped. Uh, and to be honest, I can't blame them because those two have been passengers pretty much all year for them. This might sound really harsh, and it's no disrespect meant to Kieran Jack, but hand on heart, I did not know he was playing until about halfway through the third quarter. I swear to God I didn't see him, hear him, nothing. I really didn't know if he was out there. Was he in Gary Rowan's shadow, was he? There, well, at least Rowan stood out with a few turnovers. Aaron Jack did nothing. I like, really didn't notice him. He just had no impact on the contest whatsoever. And I don't. That could be more credit to our guys for shutting him down more than anything potentially. Which is strange I, because Jack has a propensity to actually tear us a new one when he plays us. So I'm kind of glad he has a new one. Same as same as uh, Gary Rowan always usually seems to have a decent game against us. But yeah, they just they were nowhere to be seen. Did anyone else think that they were in for a long night when that Ronke kicked the first two goals like he did? Yeah, Not really, because you have a look. How many games this year have we conceded three or four goals in the first quarter and then came home to win? We, I know Essendon, was it Essendon kicked the first five against us and we still beat them comfortably? Yeah, and obviously been, Carlton did as well in round yeah. one. There's been a, yeah, there have been a few sides that have got the jump on us early and we still managed to peg back. So, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't too worried. And I suppose the one thing I pointed out in our in our show last week is if we bombed in long, their tall defenders are going to cut us to shreds. But we bombed in long, and Jack Rewalt just absolutely mauled everyone. How did you see his game, Captain Blood? Uh, one of my notes I've got down here, actually. Um, obviously, the question's been asked, was it his best game ever? Um, I would say I was there when he, kicked, um, when he kicked 10 against West Coast. I was there for that one. Um, obviously, wasn't there for the GWS one where he kicked 11. But I would say that's probably his second best game that I've ever seen him play. Um, and only because I rate his performance in the grand final, that was the one that mattered the most, and he stood up for us in that game. But um, I would say for a home and away round, that's probably the best game I've ever seen him play. And and it was funny because on the way there, I, I was driving here with my brother who I went and watched the game with, and we did the old schoolyard pick. Who would you pick, Richo or Jack? And um, I'll probably get crucified and perma banned here um, off the board, but I think I would um, I would take Jack Rewald over Richo. Truth wow. be known, uh, it was a squeeo pick. That, that's how much I rate him right now as a footballer and how far he's come along. Yeah, yeah, he's come a long that's... way. I mean, he's stats on the weekend: sixteen marks and three goals. And the sixteen marks is a huge number on paper as it is, but it was the fact he was winning two on ones and and marking con- like balls in a contest yeah. that he really had no right to get. Sorry, I was just going to say, that the key thing about Jack's game now, more than anything, is, 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 is how much he brings everybody else into the game. So yeah, look, he clunked a heap of grabs, but it's what he's doing around the ball as well. He's bringing it to ground, he's bringing those three, the mosquito fleet into it. He just, his work now, he's such, he, his football IQ must be off the charts. With how, just how good are, his football smarts are unbelievable, Jack Rewalt, and that's that's why I rate him so highly, truth be known. He, he's, he's, 
as close to the complete package in my eyes as a forward as is in, in the league. Yeah. Uh, he actually exposed Grundy for pace as well, actually got on his bike, pushed up, and Grundy being the dinosaur he is now just, just couldn't keep up. I think I think you could sort of see halfway through the third, Grundy, Grundy got tired and Jack was just running him off his legs, which is pretty much what he needed to do despite you know all the marks he was taking he was his leading patterns and everything were were on par with what he was i don't think i've seen jack lead as good as he did at that game uh since probably 2010 or 11 before he had all those hip injuries and the ankle injuries and stuff so i think that as as you were saying uh mate i think that's probably his second best game i've seen jack play in his career and even when yeah, they moved just Aaliyah into him as well, Aaliyah is, is a better athlete than Jack, I think we can all agree on, but Jack was still beating him to the ball because, he's, like you said, he's a smart runner and he timed his leads really well and he was even outbodying him. It was it was an amazing game to watch. And he he yeah. tore Rampy a new one too when Ram, Rampy was on him for a fair chunk as well and even he couldn't get anywhere near Jack. Yeah, what yeah. about young Daniel Rioli's one-handed ridiculous mark and banana goal? How, how special was that? amazing like that was i i missed that bit i i got distracted by someone uh coming into the bedroom because i was watching it on foxtel go and um yeah i got distracted and missed it and i ended up rewinding it just to watch it and that's one of the best goals i've seen for a while the way the way he managed to get up off his knees in one motion and steady off two steps and nail that that, I reckon that's probably better than Dusty's banana against St Kilda last year from the 50. Like Just the way pretty... Rioli managed to nail that goal after the mark was amazing. It, it was like it was cat-like, wasn't it? It was just yeah, cat-like just... the way he got up and hit it. It was unreal. Yeah, brilliant. It was just all one motion. It was yeah, just smooth. And you know his importance to the side can't be undervalued and not only the goals and the things he does like that but just the the pressure and tackling that he creates and it just helps the other helps Bartman Castagna immensely I reckon he, he's just the key to that four line functioning at its absolute peak it, it helps Butler the most uh, Butler's I think Butler's probably the most offensive of the three. He's got the most offensive traits out of Rioli Butler, uh, Rioli, Butler and Castagna and I think Butler's played his best games with Rioli in the side this year. He's been really, really good because he doesn't have to worry about doing the pressure thing because that's what Castagna and Rioli do better than he does. So it allows him to be more offensive. And, of course, we all know Rioli's skill and everything around the ground when he does get the ball is is immense as well. And we we really miss him. We're, We're a totally different side with Rioli in it than when we aren't, especially with the pressure game we play. And Vlosten, I know he had that brain fade um, and threw the elbow back and did deserve a week. Maybe lucky he didn't get more. But that aside, that was one of his best games, I think, for his career as well. <laughs> the hanger. Mate, that hanger over, buddy. That was outstanding. That's poster on your wall. Posterized. Even at Vlosten's yep. age, you pop that up on your wall. You say, look at this, boys, every time they come over. Yep. Absolutely, I guess. And there's probably one bloke we haven't spoke about. You talk about the sum of all parts, and we, we spoke about what Rioli means to our forward line. Um, about, yeah, the return of the human meatball. Very good return. Mate, what, look, look at what that does to um, – look at what that does to guys like Lambert. You know, like 
it's just that extra dynamic into our midfield. And um, it, it, it was a very exciting return. Um, I, I'm a rap for Meatball. Obviously, you've seen my posting on the board about him. Um, this guy is so critical to our success in September. Um, yeah, loved his return. Loved him, loved him, loved him. Meatball. Yeah, that's why I was happy for the club to take their time getting him back. Like, I didn't care if we missed an extra two or three weeks doing a mini pre-season because we weren't in dire straits ladder-wise. We were travelling along all right, obviously. So the fact they were able to get him right, uh, and they can still manage him through it, even if he misses another odd game here or there, just to get him through, do whatever it takes because he makes a massive difference. Yeah, he's actually, for me, probably our third most important player structure-wise if we're getting our best 22 on the park. Um, as you said, just the way it releases, not it, just the way it helps Lambert, but also Koch and Dusty, because it allows them to spend more time forward and resting. They don't have to be that bash and crash inside midfielder anyway. They can use their strengths on the outside, their skill, you know, their speed and their, their footy smarts. So it's just press, Prestia's presence in the team. It just makes us a lot more dangerous, not just through the midfield, but also up forward as well. So I think he's probably our third most important player uh, structure-wise. Oh, and I think it'll be interesting to see our contested ball numbers. Now Now the band's getting back together. It'll be interesting to see actually, um, how those numbers swing. I think we actually won the clearances or just lost them, which against Sydney is not a bad result given how, how much of a contested side they are. And so I think that that was a big positive out of the game on Thursday night. The, uh, the other player I want to talk about, um, Jack Higgins, obviously has spent a bit more time in the midfield and it's been quite noticeable that Dim has chucked him in the guts late in the last quarter when the game sometimes is even on the line. So he obviously puts a bit of faith in him. Um, so I'll get your thoughts on that part of his game as well, but also what he did at three court, or was it just after halftime when the boys were on the ground? takes charge, cracks a joke, and everyone walks away pissing themselves laughing in the middle of a game. I mean, that to me just sort of signifies what we're all about. As an old bloke, I, I, you know, I still don't know how to view it. I, I get it, and I think it's great, but just coming from an old school perspective, I, it's still... It, it, it bemuses me a bit. I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to read it, but you know what I mean. It's um, it's change. It's it's a different generation now. It's different thinking. I understand it, and you know what, mate. If it wins us games of footy, then keep going. I couldn't give a shit. Keep going. But it just sort of, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> just, how do you like to feel about it? You go. Um, I I loved um Higo's game uh, Thursday night. It was. Probably the best game he's played uh, this year. Obviously, um, it's being his first year, but I reckon that was the best game that he's played skill-wise. He wasn't making the, the just the slight mistakes that he was in previous weeks, just the with his skill and everything. Uh, I'd probably you'd have to say it'd be a be a chance for the rising star on this week. I think he's been stiff in uh, a few weeks not to get it. But um, I'm just looking, pulling up the stats now. But I know he had 20 disposals. Uh, I think he had seven or eight score involvements as well. And that that was playing uh, mostly as a midfielder. So I think that's... Um, I, th- I think his game was actually really, really decent against decent opposition too. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think his game was... was uh, probably the best game we've had by 
a first round draftee in a couple of years. I mean, I know Rioli's Rioli had some decent games, but they were sort of hit and miss. Whereas um, Higgins' game on the on the weekend showed that he's probably he's probably going to be a decent midfielder at AFL level anyway. So, and what do you think of the, um, the yeah. joking at the halftime break, Rock? I actually love that. To be honest, it's we all know um, we all know our side. Um, they're not too uptight. And I think that's one of the things that Cochin mentioned after the grand final. Um, one of the reasons why they're, they've been able to do what they've done is because they're not taking things as seriously as most other sides. You know, they're relaxed. They're not, they're not getting stressed out. They're just, you know, a few, a few, um, just, just a couple of guys taking the piss out of each other, even during halftime or before the game. It's what they do. They rib each other. They just get themselves in the zone. So I think that's just pretty indicative of um, where we are as a club right now, just taking things nice and easy and, and not worrying too much. And good on good on Higgins for, you know, coming out and doing it in his first year it shows it actually shows leadership for him to do what he does you know taking taking the responsibility of you know lightening the mood getting the boys relaxed and ready to go for the second half so i actually loved it how do you think it would have been viewed if we had have lost the game by five points yeah yeah is it similar I, to I the still... power ranger stance of the crows they look like dickheads because they lost and we were joking around at the start but if the result was flipped would everyone have criticized our lack of concentration or whatever they would have wanted to have called it i think they might have but i, st- I still think right now it's, it's a good thing what he's doing um obviously if we had a loss there would have been you know oh they're not focused you know they're not doing this but at the same at the same time the way i look at it you know it's one of those things um higgins is taking responsibility for just um, keeping the morale up of the of the group. So even if we had lost, I I would have been perfectly okay with it. I guess the other exciting thing too, and I were talking about Higgins, but how excited you got Higgins, who's played what half a dozen games. Oh, he's played ten, ten now. Ten now. How good's Arm? Yep. And you got Jack Graham, second year player. How <laughs> the, the, the next generation's already coming through with the current. You know what I mean? Like, it's amazing when you think of these these kids and, and how how intelligent. You know, Dimmer is the way they're handling these kids. It's it's, it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. There's um, one bloke we haven't talked about after the game against Sydney, and I really want to make mention of this because I was worried about his opponent and what he could do to us. We actually mentioned him last week. Um, but Big Nank, how good was Nank against Sydney? I reckon that's probably the best game he's played for us since he's crossed over against Sydney. He had eight, 18 possessions. Seven of them were contested. He had four intercept possessions. Um, he had four score involvements, four marks, and he had four, 41 hitouts and 10 tackles. That, that's a massive, massive game for, for Nank. He got himself up. You know the best you, you know the best thing about Nank Curves, if you look at his numbers for the year, he's one of the top ruckmen in the competition, but he's like the, he's like the best-kept secret because everyone's too busy sucking Gorn's dick or what have you. And Nank's just going out there every every <coughs> Saturday, what have you, and he's just getting the job done. And you know what? Keep talking about Gorn. Keep talking about it. Just let just let's keep this guy under the radar because he's killing him. 
He's killing him. And he, he kept Callum Sinclair accountable because I think all of us last week were worried about what Sinclair could do because he's been in pretty decent form and then, you know, the way he can go go up forward and, and take contested marks and kick goals. But Nang totally shut him down no matter where he went. I, I think he had the, the three rebound 50s and three intercept possessions and they were all on Sinclair in the back half. So I think yeah. Nang's game was just... Just amazing. Just not for what he did, but what he didn't allow his opponent to do either. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, he was super. Uh, the only downfall from the game is the obvious injury to Reese Conker on his hundredth game. Um, you know, it's meant to be a celebration. Uh, I know he would have enjoyed the fact that his teammates got over the line for him, but that was just shattering to see him go down and. I'm sure you would have heard it through your TV as well, Grok, but to hear the, the screams of the pain that Conker was in was just heartbreaking. So, But uh, obviously, best case scenario being it was just a dislocation, not a break, so no surgery required, which was good. Um, but it was really, really nice to see the whole team get around him. And I've even had people from opposition teams say that they've never seen an entire team go over to a player like that on a stretcher. There's been one or two here or there, but for the whole team to get around him was really good to see. It's actually going to play into my toast, so I'll I'll do my toast now because it, it ties in. Um, toast to Gary Rowan, um, obviously with the um, the Reese Conquer injury, the way he went down. Um, while he was on the stretcher, he actually Gary Rowan was the only opposition player who actually went up and and uh, wished Conquer well. Sat there for about five ten seconds, t- was just reassuring him that everything's okay, and actually. You know, went and checked on him. Obviously, we know Rowan's had some pretty horrific injuries himself. So I thought that that was just a, a class act of sportsmanship on Gary Rowan's part, and probably the best thing he did all night, to be honest. Um, but yeah, that that conquer injury, it was just completely horrific. Just as you said, hearing his screams through Razor Ray's mic was that's probably one of the worst things I've I've heard. At the football, um, obviously you, you hear all these, you know, abusive fans and stuff, and you can sort of deal with that. But when you can physically hear someone screaming in pain, it, it, it just goes through. It rock it rocks you to your core. It's it's it, it's really it's a really nasty yeah it's a really nasty thing. And even though there was no break, it was a dislocation. The biggest thing for me having done my ankle at the season launch is the ligament and tendon damage because the dislocation itself, that that's probably a five, six week injury at, at most. It's the ligament and tendon damage that's probably going to do conquer in if there is any, because as I said, I did my ankle at the season launch and that's that's been almost uh, four months now and my ankle is still giving me all sorts of grief because of the, the tendon and ligament damage that I suffered through that. So I think we'll probably be lucky to see Conquer again this season. Um, I don't think the club's going to risk him uh, towards the back end of the year if he does manage to get back. But I, I, really, I really can't see him uh, being back before... Uh, sort of the prelim at at best. I think it's just we're better off putting him on the shelf for the rest of the year just to get it really, really right. Yeah, and it's probably well, you... his best year as well, I think. So, it's, yeah, it's really disappointing to see him go down like that. Um, anything to add to that, Captain Blood? 
Nah, look, I mean, I don't know how many mirrors this bloke is. You know, this bloke is broken. I don't know how many ladders he's walked under, how many black cats he's crossed paths with. It's just like, Christ, can't this bloke just get 12 months, just get, you know, get a season on the park without something happening to him? It was... Um, we've, we've saw, yeah. it, it was just upsetting, mate. It, you know, I, I was upset for him for the injury, and I was upset for him for the fact this poor prick just can't take a trick. And um, I hope he gets back. I really do. So, yeah, that, yeah. that's my take on it. Like, there was, there was something going around on one of the supporter groups on, on Facebook, and they actually compared... Conker's stats to Dusty's stats this year, and they were very similar. The only one that um, was pretty much, you know, a one-way street was the goal tally where Conker only kicked three or uh, two or three goals, whatever it was, and Dusty kicked 17. That was really the only stat between the two that's really that was really, you know, one-sided. So I think it just shows you just just how good uh, Conker's been because we know Dusty. While he hasn't exactly set the world on fire this year, he still had a really good season by most players' standards. It's just we hold Dusty to a higher standard than most, so where everyone's a little disappointed by his season so far. But um, if he's on, if Conker's on level pegging with what Dusty is in 2018, he's going to be a pretty big loss for us over the next yeah. ten weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And- we obviously wish him all the best in his recovery and we hope to see him back out there as soon as we can, but not in a rushed manner, making sure he recovers properly. But yeah, he'll definitely come straight back in when the time is right, no doubt. Uh, Grok, you've obviously done your you've toast. You've got to feel so... sorry. Oh, go on. Sorry, you've got to feel sorry for Conker's parents, though, too, flying over for the game, yeah. you know, flying over for his 100th and then having to see that. That would have been heartbreaking for them. No, it would have been. I mean, yeah, at least for his sake, I guess that they could be by his side while he was in the hospital and all that kind of stuff. So that yeah. would have been comforting for him on that level. But yeah, definitely not great for them to make the trip over and have to see uh, their son go through it on, on what should have been a big milestone game for him. But at least the boys got the win for him, and no doubt they would have all um, raced over and gave him a pat on the back and uh, see how he, see how he was after the game. So speedy recovery, Reese. Hopefully you're back out there soon. Um, Captain Blood, you've got the roast for us. I don't know what happened there. Boys, I dropped out. Oh, you dropped out. Oh, welcome back. <laughs> Just in time, you've got the roast for us. I'd... It's pretty good timing. <laughs> iPod, no. Um, <laughs> look, I was going to roast Chompers, but you know what? There's a thread on there. I won't clog up time with that. Um, just, just nice to know that Chompers is a mindless dickhead. The vote got up 60%, so the board has spoken. Um, on your, on your poll, the, yeah, on the poll, yeah, mate. I, lucky I reminded you to put that even to put that even in there. That no ticket for Tony, Jesus. Oh, I know, Chompers, what an idiot. Um, but look, what I'm going to talk about just briefly is um, equalisation, um, where the, the current commentary is about should poor performing teams like Carlton or Gold Coast get a leg up, and we've got these commentators in the media now, you know, calling for it, but. I just want to. Run, I'll just simply run a couple of things by you. Richmond and the Western Bulldogs are proof that it can be done. So, in my eyes, um, Carlton gets stuffed. You're not getting a thing. You know, Gold Coast. They had it all put out to them on a plate. I know there was problems with the setup, but it can be done if the, if the um, clubs are managed properly and professionally. And since 1999, every single team. Bar the Gold Coast and GWS have actually played in the grand final. So all this 
stuff of um, you know the, the the imbalances and things like that. Not even not even twenty five years, mate. And every single team has played in the grand final. So um, for me, my roast is is, is on equalisation, and I'm a big no. I'm a big no. Yeah, get I'm stuff. We're that. finally successful. Well, it's, it's not even yep. about where we're at. It's like every time I see a club might be making a, a pitch to try and get a priority pick, I'm like, well, how about you develop your talent better and get better coaching and actually, you know, get the right structures in place instead of going, oh, well, we stuffed that one up, let's get another handout. Like, it shouldn't work like that. That's we, we, my, that's my we, opinion. It's not so much... You can give someone... All the all the high draft picks you want. Look at Melbourne. You know it did it didn't help them in the early run. The biggest thing for me has always been player development, proper player development. How many how many how many um, uh, early picks has Sydney had over the last decade? How many have Geelong had? They 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 don't get the they don't get access to the top end talent that most other clubs do. It's just their late round recruiting and their player development has has become so good, and that I think that's something that we've gotten so much better at as well. I mean, how many how many late late picks and rookies do we have in our side now? I mean, you know, we've got Lambert who was a rookie, Butler who was pick sixty seven, Jaden Short who was a who was a rookie, Brian, you know, Castagna, um, yeah, Castagna Broad was a rookie, Castagna. You know, Jack Graham was pick fifty something. Dylan Grimes was, was a forty six. Yeah, Nank Costas pick forty six. You know, we've we've got so many play. You know, Sam Lloyd, who's borderline best twenty two at the moment, was a late pick. You know, it's it's not so much the picks you have; it's what you do with them after they've been drafted. And that's the biggest thing for Carlton and, and the Gold Coast is their player development strategies are complete crap at the moment and they're not going to get anywhere unless that they can actually bring in the support for the picks uh, themselves. I mean, we saw what Melbourne did. I think Melbourne had 17 or 18 first round draft picks between 2007 and 2012. And it's taken them almost a decade since that, that started to even be in contention for finals. So as You know, you can have access to all the talent in the world, but if you can't support that talent, it's never gonna it's never gonna work. Well, you know that they talk about it's normally five years for rebuild. I reckon it's actually about seven. It takes about seven years to actually by the time you've drafted, recruited, trade all that stuff, it takes about seven years for it to all turn around. It's actually longer than people think, I reckon. But if you talk so, about what we did, um, you look at Troy Chaplin allowed Rance to develop. You look mm-hmm. at the work marriage did. Everyone laughed when we took back a Hooley and Greg in. But look, having those older blokes like that, that that they cost us jack shit. Those blokes, and um, and and we're reaping. We're actually all that stuff we did five years ago. We're reaping it now. If that makes sense. Yeah, so it can be done. Just and I know Carlton's kind of the uh, the main one of the main teams who have asked for handouts here. I'm just going through their um, their draft picks in recent times. So mainly focusing on the top picks. So they had pick three, Paddy Dow. In 2016, they had Petrescu Seaton with pick six. 2015, they had Weedering with pick one, Harry McKay pick ten, Charlie Curnow pick twelve. 2014, that was a bit of a bomb out with that Blaine Boakhurst and Dylan Vodro Raymer. That was a bit of a bust. Uh, we've all been there though. Uh, 2013, Patrick Cripps. So it's not like they've not picked up good players. They've picked up some pretty quality players, really. But 
something's just not right from a developmental point of view, or, or just the fact that Sauce is surrounding him yeah. with GWS rejects. Obviously, yeah. McKay's McKay's had injury um, issues over over his career so far, so that's. Um, it, I actually rate McKay. I reckon he'll be a very good player at AFL level. Um, obviously, Paddy Cripps is an absolute gun. Um, Petrovsky Seaton at the moment, I think, could go either way. He's shown he's shown he's shown flashes, but he just can't put it together consistently enough. Which imagine is sort of a, you sort of expect that for a second year second year midfield flanker. He's gonna have, gonna be inconsistent, but obviously Weedering for me is the one um, that's he looks nowhere near probably hasn't. He has, yeah. He hasn't lived up to the to the hype and probably the expectations that Colton fans want now. I mean, this is his third year in the AFL, and it's um, you would think by now he'd be able to, as as a key defender, be able to read body position, mark, and and you know just just be able to defend um, well enough. But I mean, they were, they were talking about this on. Um, on AFL, there was there was a video and they were talking and they were saying he's not quick enough to intercept like what Rance does. He's not strong overhead to take you know read the flight as well as McGovern does. He doesn't have the kicking skills of Heath Grundy and stuff to set play up as well. So they were saying, as a key defender, he doesn't have any sort of real strength, uh, real standout weapons to be a successful key defender. So. Um, I think he's he's the biggest one that Carlton are probably thinking. You know, what do we do? And I I, I personally wouldn't be surprised if they offload Weedering this year or the end of next year because I think he's right now his um, his his trade value is probably going to be the highest it'll be if he continues this way. He's still relatively young; he's only twenty one or twenty two. So I think if Carlton are serious about the rebuild. I probably should be going, maybe, maybe trading Weedering because he's not. I don't think he's going to really be what Colton Colton need him to be. So um, for the type of player that they need, I, I really don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, he. You know, he reminds me of Jack Watts. Yep, that's who he reminds me of, and that's you know that's probably going to be very insulting to any Colton supporter listeners. But that's when I see him right now. That's who he reminds me of. He's like another version of Watts. <laughs> I think the bottom line the biggest is... thing for me is that he, as a defender, he he generally looks scared of body contact. He he just looks he, he looks timid. He's sort of got that Tyrone Victory um, avoid contact at all costs sort in of in the space of men- two minutes. Mentality being and... compared to Jack Watson, Tyrone Victory. <laughs> that, that's just prove us wrong. Prove us wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and as a defender, I don't think you can. I don't think you can have that mentality. You need to be prepared to get, you know, put your body on the line, take the take the contact from the forward. You need to be able to, at least, you know, take, cop some sort of physical presence, as well. And I'm not sure how much of that is his injury history. I know he's I know he's had dodgy shoulders and everything, but. For someone who was hyped to be the next Alex Rance, I think Weedering's been a massive disappointment. And I'd even go so far as to say he's been a bust so far. Agree. So I think yep. the bottom line is Brisbane, Gold Coast and Carlton, no priority pick for you. Learn how to train your team better 
and just get better at football. It's not hard. Well, well, mate, Brisbane, Brisbane's looking really good. Brisbane doing it. They're, they're doing it. Yeah, we'll cut them some stuff. They're, they're looking okay. They're doing a hell of a lot better job than the other two are. That's for sure. At least they're having a crack. Brisbane, Brisbane were probably going to be my toast if the conquer thing didn't come up. But um, the only the only time I think a club should be entitled to a priority pick is like in the case of Brisbane a couple of years ago where they lost. I think it was three of their first round draft picks in one go with. Um, that you know they lost Yo, they lost Polek and everything. They, I think that that's really that was really stiff, and they probably yeah, needed agree. a back then because they'd lost all their talent in in one foul swoop. So I think in that case, a priority pick would have been wanted. But right now, it's it's not it's not warranted for any club. Like it's invest better. Yeah, was, boys. I'm just uh, Snake Baker still going in the North Melbourne Essendon game day through the main board. Still, <laughs> oh, I'm going to give that a browse when I when I'm done here. I need to catch up and think. <laughs> we need a hashtag Snake Explosion. <laughs> we should have a segment on the Tiger Cast called Snake Snake Watch or something. We can just pick out a few of his posts and go through them, dissect them. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't be short of material. No, oh, we wouldn't. He's a ripper. I love him. He's magnificent. Long Viva the Viva La Snake. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll push on to the big game this week, the Grand Final rematch, Mark Two. So Richmond versus Adelaide. Um, Adelaide being one of the only teams in history to have a premiership hangover minus the premiership. They're sitting in eleventh on the ladder, so they're going extremely well. That obviously had a a win last week, which is going to boost them full of confidence. But um, I'm glad we're playing him at the G, and I really hope we can just end their season, to be brutally honest. Uh, Grok, what's your take in the game? Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. I think Adelaide, they're a weaker side now than what they were when we played them in round two, um, especially so at the MCG. I really think... Um, I think that we'll, we'll probably win this one. Uh, the biggest thing for me is against Adelaide, we need to play a second marking forward. We, we've we seen how well it has worked. Uh, we've seen how well our game plans matched up against Adelaide over the last you know, three or four times we've played them, and it hasn't really stacked up apart from the grand final where everything sort of went our way. Um, so I'll... It's one of those things where I'd be bringing in Callum Moore at least to provide another another focal point. You'd probably, I'd probably bring in Callum Moore to replace Conker and push Higgins into the middle, uh, and maybe maybe Garthwaite to come in for Vloston because we know Adelaide go in reasonably tall in their forward line as well. So yeah, I, I think, think they're, they're bringing in Lynch this week, I believe. So that would make sense yeah. to bring in someone like Garthwaite. So I, th- I think our ends this week should probably be Garthwaite and Moore. If not Moore, maybe Shea Bolton. I think Bolton probably deserves a crack because he's really good in the VFL on the weekend. Um, it's what just one of those... What Townsend yeah. for a, just a grudge match? I'd, I'd, I'd bring Townsend in just to completely smash Taylor Walker. Just like... <laughs> like, the, if there's one... If there's one player in the AFL I hate more than anyone, it's Taylor Walker. I think the way he walks around acting like his shit don't stink, especially this year with the year he's had. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he's got any right to be as 
egotistical is what he is. Um, but it's one of those. Given that arsehole. I would never forgive that arsehole when he spear tackled Morrow in, at the Adelaide Oval a few years ago. And Morrow, he needed, he actually required a shoulder reco after that. That, yeah. that arse, he picked him up and he put a full body um, thing in nothing. He didn't get suspended for that. It was bullshit. And I've never liked yeah, him that, since that moment. Yeah, that was, they were saying if and if that was, if they had have had the definition for dangerous tackle back then, they reckon he would have probably got three weeks of that these days. Um, but again, it's it's just shutting down Adelaide's ball movement. You got to you got to shut Rory Laird down. He's the one that sets them up from half back. And of course, um, we need someone on Tom Lynch who provide who's that conduit between the back and forward lines with his work rate. So I think. Uh, Rioli back in against Adelaide is going to help immensely because we know he's he's our best pressure forward by an absolute mile. Um, it's just one of those things. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we smash them again. I think we all know that Adelaide are mentally fragile, especially after the grand final last year and their collective minds camp um, in Queensland. So I think being back at the MCG, I think, that's going to give us a psychological advantage, and I fully expect us to take advantage of it. And Captain Blood, out one of our mantras, I suppose, as a club has been that if we've lost to a team, we've always learnt from it the second time round and got a better result the next time. Do you see this happening again? Yeah, absolutely. And and um, again, the MCG cheat ground factor, whatever you want to call it, we play the game. We play that ground better than anyone. Um, and look, I think actually, I genuinely think it is a bit of a danger game. Um, I was looking at the ins last week. Adelaide got Laird, Sloan, Fogarty back. Fogarty's a big lump of a lad. Text a couple of weeks back, and um, like you said, they're getting another key back in. I think, as as I said, pace will be the key. How we move that ball off the half back line, um, I think we can cut them apart. Vloston is a monster out. That worries me. Because um, we've been talking about how well he's been playing. The last probably two, three weeks has probably been the best football of his career. And um, he'll be a massive out for us. Yeah, sorry, mate, go for it. No, that, I was just agreeing with you on Vlaston. Oh. He's He'd probably be top five in our best and fairest at the moment. He's playing some excellent football. Yeah, look, look, absolutely. And I think Hooley's still two weeks away. Um. But, but having said that, um, I agree. I think um, if, if Adelaide are going to bring another tall in, then I think probably Garth has to come in. Um, the, the guy, the guy, he, he cops a bit of criticism on the board, but um, when, when you watch him, he's, he's very integral to our back lines, Broady. And Broad seems to have that ability. He, he can, he, he's, he's 191 centimetres, but he seems to play on the smalls, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, he, his game will be critical for us. He was even, I was watching last week, he was actually standing on Buddy at times and beating Franklin. So he's, the guy's, he's quite mobile. He's surprisingly strong as well. He's, yeah, a bit of a hybrid player, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah he is. He is. He's, he's surprising. Um, so, but if you talk, if we bring Garth in, so that's, that's three, you know, you've got three three big blokes, and then what, what are we surrounding with? Short, Broad is 191 and, and um, Grimesy. Might be... Might be a little bit top heavy, but may not be. Um, but look, like I said, it's our half back line that gives us our drive. We know that. And um, look, I, whilst a danger game, if we don't win by about four or five goals, I'd be very, very, very surprised. Yeah. 
And look, no doubt they'll be out for retribution on the G, but like you said at the start, Gok, they're a completely different team mentally more than anything from round two. I mean, a whole different ball game when you're playing on their home deck. Second game in a new season, uh, had heaps to prove, but they've taken an absolute shellacking since then. So uh, if there's ever a time for us to pounce and really sort of end their season, this week would be the week. So if we just keep on top of them in the midfield, hopefully the rest should sort itself out. Um, we know we're good enough in all other parts of the ground, so it'd be interesting to see if uh, Jack Graham goes to Rory Sloan again. That's one I'll be keeping an eye out on. I reckon that should be uh, one of the first things we do. Um, obviously, we know Gra- Graham's done some really decent run-with jobs um, over his short career so far. And we all know Rory Sloan's extremely susceptible to getting tagged. Um, he has nowhere near the influence he does when he gets tagged. So Rory Sloan getting tagged for me is a big one. Um, the other one for me is Bryce Gibbs. Um, he's always been, he's always played out of his skin against us. And um, he's probably one of Adelaide's most important players now. And he's only been there you know, 15 weeks, so I think uh, oh, hello? dropped out there. Grok's gone. He's gone. <laughs> he just bailed on his mid sentence. Maybe have. <laughs> oh, you're back. You dropped out for about five seconds What's there. You, you're Did talking I? about Gibbs and it cut out. Oh, yeah, I was saying Gibbs always seems to have a um a day out against us, and uh, even when he was at Carlton, so. I think sending Graham to Sloan first, and then if he doesn't, um, if Gibbs gets off the chain, maybe have Graham go to Gibbs and have Lambert go with a run-with roll with the other one. I think that's probably the smartest bet for us because those two can be really damaging, and they're obviously the most vital midfielders for the Crows at the moment. Fair enough. All right, well, before we let you both go, we'll get a, a quick tip, uh, including margins. So, Captain Blood, will start with you. What's your tip for the game and margin? Tigers by 28. And Grok? Uh, Richmond by 48. Thank uh, you. One of us had uh, to do it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to be honest, uh, I think probably 30 points. I, I think us by 30 points would be be a decent result now i know makes just probably not going to be happy with the margins we have tipped given his comments in the thread but uh yeah i reckon somewhere between 25 and 30 points but yeah just hopefully we can do a number on them and end this season on friday night which will be fantastic uh, a reminder the game is on friday night 7 50 p.m at the mcg so make sure we all get down there wear all your premiership gear and really get stuck into the crows fans who turn up they'll be good for a laugh uh, captain blood and grokodog thanks so much for coming on guys really appreciate it thanks Thank very much again michaels Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also, keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go, Tigers.